Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Inside Indie Sports Podcast. I'm Tyler James, and I'm joined once again by the one and only Eric Hansen. Together, we cover Notre Dame football, recruiting, and more for InsideIndieSports.com on the Rivals Network. The Blue Gold game is here. The annual inter-squad scrimmage to end spring football will take place Saturday in Notre Dame Stadium, even if the blue and gold rosters will be limited with options at multiple positions. As we discussed last week, the Irish are expecting a turnout of close to 400 former Notre Dame football players as part of the Legacy Weekend activities. One of those former Irish players in town is quarterback Brandon Wimbush, the chief athletic officer for Mogul, an NIL marketplace connecting athletes and businesses. Brandon, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me again, guys. I'm happy to do this as, as often as, as you guys need um, and always happy to support. Yeah, we appreciate that, Brandon. First of all, congratulations on this week's announcement of Mogul's collaboration with NBC Sports Athlete Direct uh, to reach more student-athletes with NIL opportunities. What what made this opportunity appealing for Mogul? Uh, I think there was a great question, Tyler, by the way, but I think there were um, a couple layers to this partnership that made it appealing, really for both sides. Um, obviously, the working relationship Um but for us, working with NBC Sports obviously provides credibility to what we're able to do. And the fact that they analyzed and evaluated technologies in the space and ultimately made the choice to leverage our, our technologies, you know, speaks volumes. Um, NBC Sports launched NBC Athlete Direct uh, almost a year ago now. And they didn't have a technology solution to do what they wanted to do within the name, image, and likeness space, which was connect their 5,000 advertisers to college athletes uh, in a seamless manner, and then obviously be able to disclose all of their activity that they were doing back to the schools that they were working with, which, which initially was uh, Vanderbilt, Notre Dame, and Temple. And then, uh, and then, and then, lastly but not least, uh, the ability to pay. The athletes through a platform, right? So all of those functionality, all those functionalities is really what um, NBC was excited about. And then for us, again, it's just the name recognition, the opportunity to access their advertisers, um, and then and then providing more opportunities to the 10,000 athletes that are on the mobile platform. Brandon, you know this is kind of a feel-good story in the NIL space. There's also all kinds of other stories in the NIL space. I wondered how you feel about your company, your efforts, and what you're doing yeah. to do the right things. Yeah, that's, a, that's another great question because I think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors and, and people not, not conducting or doing NIL the right way. And I think um, stems from just being a Notre Dame Gomer, right, and understanding ethics and business, and um, for us, it's it's doing right by our customers, and 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 first and foremost, it's the athletes because they deserve this opportunity, and so we put the athletes first. We we hire former athletes to our to our team who understand and have, and have walked in the shoes of the athlete, and obviously doing the same for the brands um, who are looking to engage with our athletes, but making sure that the athletes have opportunities. Uh, you know, that stem from brands that, that make sense for them, right? And, and obviously not allowing brands to engage that are in those prohibited um, industries, right? Gambling, uh, tobacco, 
um, you know, adult entertainment, you know, the cannabis industry. Um, so just, just making sure that we're kind of staying aligned on, you know, the ethics of everything that we're doing and who we're Brandon, in what ways has Mogul been able to find the most success? Have you, have you been finding that certain markets prove to be particularly strong? Are there certain sports that have done better than maybe you expected? Um, certain sports. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, this has been phenomenal to see for women's, uh, for women's sports uh, in particular, just mm-hmm. the amount of opportunity and the amount of uh, revenue that they're able to, to generate um, has really kind of closed the gap and, and have, has provided a little bit of equality where we you know, normally wouldn't have seen equality. And so our platform, we're excited, for we're excited that we've been able to help so many female athletes and, and, and you know, for other athletes that are not the top 1%. Right. Press and take the profit. And please remove ticket. <laughs> In terms right, of we've got somebody else asking you questions. Um, <laughs> In terms of your company and what you're trying to do, what's next for you guys? What's next for Mogul? Next steps for us really are are really to continue to evolve our technology to service other entities that begin to enter into the space um, and, and help those types of entities, you know, become more sustainable by, by leveraging technology like moguls, right? So primarily I'm talking about collectives, which people within the NIL space are familiar with, but others might not be. But collectives are just donor-advised funds that are created to support specific athletic programs. So what we've been able to do with collectives is license our technology so that they can do everything that I mentioned that NBC is doing, right? Connecting with their athletes, facilitating contracts, disclosing those contracts, and then facilitating payments to their athletes. So just continuing to improve and enhance the technology um, and continuing to just grind away. For us, it's, our motto is just continue to show up every morning, uh, do the work, it might be tedious right now, uh, but as we've seen within the entire NIL space, there's, you know, at the beginning of it, July 1st, there was 150 marketplaces and other technology companies, but now there's probably, you know, maybe 15, 20 that are still standing. Um, and so that's important to us, uh, continuing to stay close to the landscape, what's evolving. It's, a, it's an ever-evolving space. It's only two years in right now. Right. So every stakeholder is continuing to learn, including us. Brandon, what what sort of feedback have you has Mogul received from from the brands that are making these investments in student athletes that they've been able to partner with through the Mogul platform? They love working with college athletes because their fan bases and their audience is just more engaged, uh, more. More willing and and, and they just trust the, the college athletes. You know, specifically when these athletes are, um, you know, promoting local services um, and and there's the local community that supports these athletes, um, there's just an enhanced and increased trust factor 
compared to you know your general influencer, your 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 large your large influencers. Uh, some of these athletes have more of a, a nano and a micro you know lens, and if they have five thousand followers, of them are, are super engaged uh, during each you know post or any type of social media activation. And that's you know that's generally a better uh, that's generally a better result, right? And, and we call them uh, key performance indicators (KPIs) uh, for certain brands. And that's what brands are, are excited about when they work with college athletes. Brandon, as you as I sit here and listen to your answers, this is kind of what I envision NIL to be, and I think a lot of college administrators and so forth also felt like that it is. But it's not that universally, and I'm wondering, A, do you think it ever will get to that point where it looks like this universally? And B, if so, what what, what it, would it take to get there? I think it's Eric asking the question, but um, I think it is kind of, I think it is universal right now, Eric. And, and, and the only thing that, that, you know, might prompt you to say that and, and make that conclusion are the headlines, right? And, and Right. Uh, the Bryce Youngs and the Libby Dunn's and the, the Cavender twins. Those are the headlines for NIL. And that's, that's not NIL, man. That is the nine to 20, you know, the 10 to 20 athletes that are making over six, um, making over seven figures, right? And, and, and you're going to hear about the Brian James of the world and the Quinn Ewers of the world, right? But um, NIL right now is, is, is within the, the region that I'm speaking of and, and the athletes that are earning money on the mobile platform, the athletes with the 2000 to 20,000 engagement with their, with their audience. It's the athletes who are looking at internships and, and how do I build professional skills through NIL? And, and so that's what our platform is, is, is aiming to accomplish. We, you know, we have an education curriculum that takes athletes through um, a variety of um, of topics that that would help them, you know, increase their value within NIL, right? So brand brand uh, building for your personal brand, content creation. How do I go about creating content that that speaks to my audience? Uh, taxes, financial literacy, right? Understanding how to file taxes, understanding what to do with my money, what 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 options are out there. So, you know that. That's uh, those are not the headlines, Eric and Tyler, um, but that is where I would argue, you know, sixty to seventy percent of NIL is is living right now, right? And I think I think you might have ten to fifteen percent, not even that many, right? I think probably five to ten percent making over six figures, and then you know two percent if that making over uh, seven figures of, of anybody who's doing NIL. Brandon, with with Notre Dame specifically, how how have you seen the appetite for NIL or NIL opportunities evolve in the last year? Do you feel like that is it's a growing there's a growing interest there from from folks around Notre Dame and wanting to connect with Notre Dame athletes? Yeah, I mean, they understand that this is the only way, not the only way, because Notre Dame is a little bit special, not a little bit. They are we are special in that we have so much more to offer than some of these other schools, right? So, but competing for recruiting right now is just NIL, right? Like it is what it is. And so um, people are being, you know, given money to come and and play at certain places. And um, it's kind of, unfortunately, I'm saying that the wild, wild, 
so there's a little bit of more of a uh, grasp around some of those regulations. But I do think uh, we work closely with Notre Dame, and so you know their thing that they and Jack specifically Swarbrick uh, that they uh, initiated and and um, you know took on was was adding an I I to the NIL. So NILI, right, which means ideas, and I think it, it speaks to the the point of these athletes specifically at Notre Dame and some of these other high institutions, high education institutions, just wanting more from NIL, right. And understanding that there's more to offer than a social media post to NIL. And so that's what they're, that's what they're about here at Notre Dame. And so all the opportunities that come from, you know, the brands that are associated with Notre Dame, they're more holistic opportunities, right. They might be longer term contracts and they might involve more content creation. They might involve, uh, certain deadlines and communicating with with certain executives at certain at some of these companies, right? So there's just more of a holistic approach that, that Notre Dame is taking, and um, it's what's expected of, of a school like ND, and um, that's also what's making some of these alumni and, and other people, you know, wanting to get involved is because they understand that we're doing it a little bit differently. Brandon, you're back in town. Um, there's the Legacy Weekend going on as Tyler mentioned at the top of the show with 400 former players back, what, what has been your impression of this, these activities and, and this experience been like? For yeah. You? yeah. So two people I want to give a big shout out to is Hunter Bivin, who was, we have this real, we have this great relationship because Hunter and I, Hunter was number two when I was a freshman and I was number two after uh, Malik got hurt. Mm-hmm. And he was the number two tackle behind, I think, when she was starting at the time. And uh, Arani had left tackle. And uh, Hunter and I would and sub in, right, for, for, for the twos together. And like, we just we would always sit together. We would always stand on the sideline together. And we had this special relationship. So I love that he's in the role of, um, of assistant athletic director and, and putting on these these uh these events for legacy weekend and he's done a phenomenal job of putting it on uh we golfed it uh, our team i was with chris Schilling, james Anawalu, and um and mike hireman and i was behind cole commit brock Wright, jesse bon jovi john guys um so i mean and, and then the second person i wanted to shout out was coach freeman because he's the one who initiates this and, and brings everybody back and people want to be surrounded by him um, you should have heard Rod West, class of 1990, speaking last night about, you know, just how special it is to have a guy like Coach Freeman at the helm of, of, of our program, and um, and so it was it was it was phenomenal. And the amount of people, I think there's more than 400 that are back. Uh, the amount of guys that came back and want to spend time with with the current players is, is truly an honor to see and be a part of. Um, and it's awesome that these transfers, right, guys like Sam and Sam Hartman get to see the, the family culture that we have here at, in South Bend. Um, but they've done a great job, and, and, and Hunter's been kind of the at the head of, of all of all of uh, Legacy Weekend. So excited to see what it can grow into. Brandon, you mentioned your freshman year when you got to got to know Hunter a bit, and Hunter, Hunter was actually on our podcast last week. Uh, so uh, I'm sure uh, – he appreciates that shout out. What, what, uh, what? Thinking back to your time as as learning the quarterback role at Notre Dame, what was the biggest adjustment for you as a, as a freshman at Notre Dame? 
Well, um, playbook. I think it's inevitable that you have to make a significant adjustment, especially if you're playing in a Brian Kelly um, and Mike Denbrock offense freshman year specifically because I was I was pronged into that second role, second, you know, number two behind Deshaun, right, after the league went down. So urgency of understanding the playbook, urgency of moving your body to the speed that, you know, you need to move it and more so mentally, right, making sure your mind is, is right. Um, I think that was the, those are the three biggest adjustments for me. I think physicality-wise, I was okay. I was, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I was pretty gifted from a physical standpoint, um, being able to, you know, throw the ball and run the ball and, and being plus 200 plus pounds at the time. So it was all of the other intangibles that, uh, you know, that you needed to kind of get up to speed, you know, making that transition from high school to college. But had great support, quarterback, coach, you know, offense, uh, offensive line, you know, running back, skill guys, everybody around me was, was – um, it, it made my job easier. And so um, those were some of the biggest adjustments. Brandon, what do you remember about your blue gold game experiences of play experiences yeah. as a player? Um, I remember my last year was great. Like hmm. I thought I was going to have a hell of a season and then get into 2018, I get benched. Uh, but that last one was fun. Uh, threw a couple of touchdowns, Boykin, I forget the others. Um, but it was good. Things were things were you know rolling that that spring, and I think the, the one before that, I was kind of just getting my feet wet as being the starting quarterback, and you know it was kind of a, a on par performance in my opinion, an average performance. But um, I think for me, it's just the feeling of, of of being out there, getting done with spring ball. Obviously, it's a grind for this, those two months, you know, from February to uh, to April. And uh, you're just out there with the guys having fun, playing ball. Um, you know, you're not taking it too serious, right? But uh, it caps off a great, it caps off a great, you know, semester of just hard grind in the weight room. And I think for the guys now, right, like the motto was great last night when we had the legacy dinner. It was, it was choose hard. And uh, that's what Coach Freeman, you know, is telling the guys to choose hard. And that means making the hard decisions uh, and, and making the sacrifices. And so that's what you do all spring ball. And, and uh, to be able to let some of the rage out during the spring game is, is a fun time. Brandon, speaking of hard, the quarterback competition here at Notre Dame, um, I think could be a bit hard to navigate for the coaching staff when you bring someone in like Sam Hartman as a grad transfer who's done so many things. And Tyler Buckner's a young player still trying to prove himself. How do how does Notre Dame sort of navigate that to make sure that both of those guys are getting the the most out of this this experience? Yeah, I don't know, Tyler. I think I, I would wish to give you a good answer on on that, but I do think you just um, you let those guys battle it out, and, and it's not just on the field. Obviously, performance is number one, but it's it's being professional. It's Jalen Hurts said it the best. It's just you know, when, when you're in the locker room, it's not asking the guys to follow you, but it's just doing the things that will make those your teammates follow you and and, um, and becoming that leader, right? It's the intangibles. And people are going to feel it. Like, the, the locker room, there's no doubt that there's a they're feeling right now going, going into this spring game this weekend that, you know, who's the guy who's winning over the guys within the locker room. And 
uh, who's just walking around with a little bit more swag and more confidence to them. Um, and we'll surely see it on Saturday, but hope they let them spin the rock a little bit. I think it's going to be good weather. I, I heard they're down a couple skill players specifically in the backfield. So I think we're going to have to spin the, you know, spin the rock a little bit. So um, that's going to be fun to see. My last question for you, Brandon, was when you came in and filled in uh, when Ian Book was hurt, um, I believe it was senior day against Florida State. And yeah. it was an important, I mean, Notre Dame doesn't go to the playoff without that win, obviously. And, and there are yeah. moments that kind of define the fan base's relationship with a player forever. And I think yeah. it defined yours. It was like, I got goosebumps um, because yeah. it's like forever people will remember you as being this incredibly unselfish team guy. Um, and I just yeah. wonder what it was like your experience experiencing it as a player rather than somebody yeah. looking in from the outside yeah gives me goosebumps just thinking about it but the one thing that that gives me the ultimate goosebumps and and, and uh gets my hair spiked is one of my best friends came up to me and uh, i believe it was jimmy thompson who was my roommate actually and uh, he was on the defensive side of the ball but he's came up to me and said, I think this was on like a Monday or Tuesday, but uh, said that Coach Lee, who's the head coach of Vanderbilt now, uh, I forget the exact saying, but it was along the line of let's go win the game for Brandon Wimbush, right? He told the defense that. He was like, let's, this week, let's, you know, let's back Brandon Wimbush and let's go win the game. Uh, he'll take care of his business, and but let's on the defensive side make sure that we win the game. And so, honestly, it was it, you know it, it just it moved me because the team was behind me, and there was no doubt you know, on the offensive side that we were gonna we were gonna be able to execute the way we wanted to, and obviously putting in certain plays that were you know gonna, gonna help us kind of best execute. Uh, we went out there and we put on a show. It was fun. It was cold as hell, um, <laughs> you know, nine, nine degrees. But it was a great, great outing. Obviously, a, a big moment in that 2018 season to be able to help us, you know, make the leap up over to the playoffs. And it was a must-win game. And, and obviously, we came out on top. But definitely gave me chills. It was my last, the last game my grandparents were able to make it up to. And, and so... Um, you know, definitely, definitely a chilly, uh, a chilled moment. But I do think it's one of those, you know, mem memorable games that the fan base will, will, will always remember. And so I'm, I'm grateful for the, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to do that. And I just wanted to add one thing. There were some of your teammates that had their shirts off during warmups uh, to psych out <laughs> nice. the Florida State guys. And I, I bet your mom was oh. that you weren't one of them. Yeah, no, I don't think you'll ever see a quarterback. I don't know. I don't know if there is. You've got to find me that guy if there ever has been one. But it's, it was likely the linemen and then the, you know, the DBs like to think that they're tough too. Um, but the smart, the smart folks keep their, their, uh, their, uh, their clothes on during those types of games. That sounds right.
Well, Brandon, we really appreciate you taking time to talk to us as always, and, and best of luck moving forward with Mogul and all your adventures. Awesome, guys. Thanks so much again for having me, and look forward to doing it again next year. All right, now it's time for questions. You can submit questions to us on Twitter or the Insider Lounge message board before every podcast. I'm at TJamesND and Eric's at ND. First one I have for us, Eric, is from at MikeDevoy1. Lorenzo Styles' move to the portal was kind of a surprise. Does this place more urgency on recruiting a safety, i.e. reducing the depth at cornerback makes it harder to move a backup cornerback to safety? Yeah, I get Mike. Mike, I get your question there. There was urgency with the safety anyways, and there's a short-term urgency and a longer-term urgency. For, for this season coming up, they need more depth, and ideally somebody that fits in, a, in the four-man rotation with uh, Ramon Henderson, Xavier Watson, DJ Brown. If that's somebody with multiple years of uh, eligibility, all the better. But even if you have a big year recruiting safeties in this cycle, there's the there's you're definitely losing DJ Brown and Thomas Harper's playing nickel. They're gone after 2023. Watts and Henderson are going to be academically seniors, and they could come back in 2024, but they could not come back in 2024. And you need to be developing some guys there. So none of this really, um, really is affected by Lorenzo leaving other than, I mean, I don't know that Ryan Barnes is a piece that you're afraid to move to safety uh, because Lorenzo Styles isn't there. Now, if it was somebody further up the depth chart, and I'm not saying that they would do this, but if it was somebody like Jaden Mickey, then that's a different story. But I don't, I don't think he would be a, a candidate for that. So I, I don't, I think that's just kind of independent of itself. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think they do need someone potentially. I mean, a lot has to do with what they, where their confidence level is with Minnick and um, Schuler going into next season. But I do think. I, I think, think they're they, going to have to go to the portal next year too. Yeah, I think, and I think they're always going to have to entertain it. I think the Styles thing. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I, um, I can't. I would like to think that people inside Notre Dame were knew that this could happen. Like Lorenzo Styles could end up going to the portal. I I don't know that they were as surprised by it as maybe some of us were, um, and. I, I don't think it's it's not the craziest thing that it ended up happening. I think just sort of the way in which it occurred that we we asked about him moving over to cornerback and he talked Marcus Freeman talked about it and then we get to talk to Lorenzo Styles about it and then three days later he's in the transfer portal. That's just kind of a, a weird. And he gets one. drafted on Thursday for the blue gold game. <laughs> yeah, he's drafted in the blue gold game. Um, it would be funny if he still played in the blue gold game. I mean, I, I don't know that it, it, there's nothing that would prohibit him from playing in the blue gold game other than Notre, Notre Dame's coaching staff itself saying, no, thanks. We don't want you here. If you don't want to be here. If you are going to play in it, then why not wait until after the blue gold game to make this announcement? But Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's a clear indication that he doesn't want to play in it. That's why he, he would do it now. Otherwise you just wait till after, but um, maybe he just didn't want to, Maybe he didn't want to put any bad cornerback tape on film for for the transfer portal teams <laughs> looking at him if it, because he doesn't know the defense, which he uh, fully admitted to uh, this uh, this week. So um, I think that Notre Dame 
will look at the safety options. And I mean, obviously the ideal would be someone with multiple years of eligibility, but I think that's, that's going to be hard to find. Right. Um, you know, again, the easiest through admissions is a grad transfer. The second easiest is someone that just completed their freshman year and great academic standing. And then once you move up a class, then it becomes harder with each class. Now, Notre Dame men's basketball just got a sophomore through um, from Northwestern. But again, that's pretty rare that you're able to get those sophomores or those, and especially juniors through. Uh, Notre Dame is at 85 scholarships right now. They have to be at 85 in August. Now we expect them to add. So we also expect there to be more uh, transfer portal plunges. All right. Next question is from Marie Biafore at Biafore underscore Marie, who always delivers with questions for us. Can each of you predict one player on offense and one player on defense who is most likely to surprise everyone this weekend? Well, as Brandon alluded to, um, there aren't a lot of healthy running backs in this game. Not only are um, Logan Diggs and Jadarian Price uh, not available, you know, Chris Tyrese moved to wide receiver now. Two of the top walk-on running backs are injured. So you have Jabron Payne and Audric Estime. And I'll tell you, I've liked what I've seen of Jabron Payne this spring. So I think he's going to surprise on offense. By the way, Jeremiah Love will be in the stands. Maybe they could sneak him into the game. <laughs> uh, he will be here in June officially. Uh, and then um, on defense, I wanted to say Jordan Batello, but I think that surprise is already out of the bag. So I'm going to go with Nolan Ziegler. He's a guy that really didn't get much traction last year, was a high school safety on defense, a wide receiver on offense. And now he's a backup middle linebacker. And I'll tell you what, he's looked good. He's, he's, I think he will surprise some people on Saturday. Yeah. If you stuck with Jordan Batello for your surprise, I was going to call you Tom Noy for, for that level <laughs> of surprise. pick <laughs> Because you can't pick the starting Viper as a surprise. Um, I, I'm going with tight end Holden stays. There are very few tight end options as well. Um, so I think he should have some opportunities and um, I think he, has done little enough in his career to qualify as a, as a surprise player. Um, I, I like his potential and his future. So maybe we get to see some of that this Saturday. And then I dug deeper on defense for a surprise. And this is someone who's st stood out and made some plays in practice. And that's cornerback Isaiah Dunn, who was a walk-on. Um, yeah. Not, not, not many people will, will have it. It's, it's hard to pick surprises when we talk about Notre Dame football 365 days a year, because we talk about everyone. Um, so I think, you know, most of our thoughts on everyone. So, um, obviously there's plenty of fans that don't listen to us 365 days a year, but, uh, I, I think, uh, Isaiah Dunn is someone that's probably not on, on very many radars that I think, uh, has shown some things this spring that would lend to him maybe playing an important role in some situations in the second half of, of Saturday's blue gold game. All right. Next question is from Charles W. Wolf, keeping in mind, spring games are just a snapshot. Can you fill in the blank? If I see blank in the blue gold game, I will feel a little better about the fall. Please answer for offense and defense. Okay. So I like Charles's question that keeping in mind spring games are just a snapshot. I love that. Um, if I see, well, I'm going to start with defense. If I see 
Riley Mills and the hyphenated defensive ends look like difference makers, I will feel a little bit better about the fall. And mm-hmm. the hyphenated guys are Jean Baptiste and uh, Osafa Mansa. Uh, those guys play the field and they've been competing. I, I think they need to step up. And I think Riley Mills has all the talent to, to do that. Um, on offense, it's a harder question because of the lack of availability of people at different positions. Um, and the fact that the offensive line isn't playing together, that they're split up. But I would say, um, you know, if I see the freshman wide receivers making plays in this game as they've done in practices, then I'll feel better because they're going to need them in the depth, especially with, you know, Styles and older Caleb Smith gone. Yeah, for offense, I, I'm going with if I see Sam Hartman looking like himself in the Blue Bowl game, I'll feel a little bit better about the fall. I don't know that I would feel bad about it if he doesn't look good again but it's just it's just been a spring that hasn't been the Sam Hartman show that I expected it to be so I still want to see a little bit more of that in the blue gold game um and then for defense mine's pretty similar to yours uh I want specifically with the if I see the defensive end beating Joe Alter Blake Fisher in the blue gold game I will feel a little bit better about the fall it's one thing to see whether it's Nano Osafa Mentor Javante Jean Baptiste or Jordan Batello have a good pass rush against Tosh Baker or Emil Wagner. But if they're doing that against Notre Dame starting offensive tackles, who we know are good offensive tackles, um, I think that would be a meaningful, uh, something meaningful to take away from the Blue Gold game. So that would be my defensive example. One one thing to note is in the rules, you can pressure once every four downs in quarters one through three, but in the fourth quarter, anything goes. So they could blitz every down if they wanted to. They could bring pressure every down if they want to in the fourth quarter. All right. Next question is from Nathan Reynolds at Enforcers 2117. Are you surprised that only Caleb Johnson has slash had entered the transfer portal? Do you think more will and when? And if so, what are they waiting for? And to be clear, Nathan Reynolds asked this question before Lorenzo Styles entered the transfer portal. Right. So so we know of two that are definitely going to enter the transfer portal. Kicker Josh Bryan and um cornerback Philip Riley they were announced at the beginning of spring as no longer being on the team I figure you know maybe they're just waiting till after the blue gold game to not be a distraction you can still talk to teams kind of through third parties maybe they already know where they're going so they're they don't feel the urgency to you know have been in there on April 15th which was the first day of the spring portal window when I I don't think Notre Dame would be like hey X school is violating this by talking to Josh Bryan or talking to Philip Riley because they don't care about those guys anymore. Yeah. So it's not right. like they're going to report them for tampering. Right. I, I think, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I think we'll see more because there's going to be additions. And I think we'll see that after the blue gold game. I think Sunday and Monday will probably be, um, you know, a day where we're going to be writing some stories about people being in the portal. Yeah, so I, I do think we'll see some more. Um, there's just some some position groups where there's a lot, to, a lot of bodies, and I don't know. I, I think some people will have learned where they stand in the in the pecking order, whether it's some of those offensive linemen, like who 
who feels like the left out guy there, at, whether it's a guard or a tackle. Um, maybe maybe there's a cornerback, maybe not with Lorenzo Styles saying, never mind, I'm not going to be actually joining you guys. Um, I think there there could be guys at certain positions, but um, maybe there's a linebacker. Um, I think there are, are a few different places where it seems like there's options. Um, def- defensive line as well. There's just there's a lot of numbers there. Um, who who doesn't see um, a clear path to playing time next year, and then maybe maybe even beyond that as well. All right. Uh, next question is from D at D Stewart seven forty two on the Insider Lounge. What's the latest with Olivia Miles? You said she re- she recently had surgery, but not her timetable to return for the beginning of the season might be delayed. Why are they keeping this hush hush? Any word on a big transfer? Um. Okay. So why are they keeping it hush hush? Let's start there. Hmm. I think a lot of this goes back to Neil's own history with her first knee injury, which was, I believe at the end of her junior year, Notre Dame was playing in the big East tournament in the semifinals. She blows out her knee Notre Dame discloses the injury. They get run by Connecticut in the Big East final, and their seed drops to the point where they're no longer a host team in the NCAA. They lose to LSU on LSU's home floor, um, and then they're out of the tournament. And I think that deeply affects Niel as a coach even to this day. So I think that was part of the secrecy going into the NCAA tournament. Now, why it's a secret now, I'm a little bit more perplexed about that. Maybe it's Olivia's own, um, you know, maybe she wants the privacy. Um, and because there's really no reason. I, I asked Neil right after the Maryland game what her timetable was at the time. They thought Olivia would be back practicing with the team in June. Now, again, sometimes they get in, they do surgery. And it's either better or worse condition than what they knew going in. And maybe there's a little less um, predictability about when she'll be back. I mean, it's not like South Carolina is making their game plan right now for the November 6th opener, and it's going to depend on Olivia. Um, So I'm a little bit perplexed about that yeah and to be to be fair it's not like we're asking every day what's what's going on with olivia either i don't know the last time you inquired about it after that time after the maryland game i um um, anthony anthony anderson is the only one that i know that has asked about it and and at that point um at that point uh she uh she's made it sound like she wasn't sure when the timetable was and wasn't sure if it would go all the way to the beginning of the season. Let me say, if it does, if you've seen Hannah Hidalgo play, they're in better shape than, than they were going into the tournament without Olivia. Right. Yeah. And I saw, I, I, I believe she's had the surgery already. I, I don't know that yes, for certain. She did. She um, did. I saw like some social media posts of her in the training room um, with Dara Mabry that that made it indicate to me that it seemed like they probably she probably had been or had 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 the surgery um so but yeah we don't know we don't know exactly what the injury is necessarily um and uh we'll see what that what that leads to as for Notre Dame's chances of getting a 
post player in the portal. What are your thoughts on that, Eric? Yeah. So here's the thing with the post players. I, you know, they've been looking and they've tried to run some people through admissions and they've got stonewalled on the people that they've tried. And, and some of them are sophomores and juniors. Um, you know, there's been some matches. Um, Lauren Betts, for example, was a match. Lauren wanted to stay on the West Coast. She's going to UCLA. Lauren was a center at Stanford. She was a backup this year. She was the number one player coming out of high school the year before Notre Dame is recruiting her younger sister, Sienna Betts. And that's also one of the issues. Sienna Betts is in the 2025 class. She's the number one center. Notre Dame's involved. Notre Dame's also involved with three of the best post players in the 2024 class, uh, Bianca, Blanca Thomas, um, Kate Koval, uh, Sarah Strong, and, and they're looking at Kennedy Ume, who's a little bit further down the list. Those other three are all consensus top 10 players in the country. And the worry about some of the freshmen is that, well, what if I transfer to Notre Dame and then they get Blanca Thomas? Um, and then am I a reserve suddenly for the rest of my career, having already transferred? So they're they're fighting against a couple of different dynamics. They're still out there looking. There's not a ton of difference makers of centers. I don't know that Notre Dame needs a difference maker, but they need somebody as good as Lauren Ebo, and, and they'll continue to search for that. Um, the portal closes on May 11th, so there may be additional players coming in but they are out there looking. Yeah, Lauren Evo wasn't going to be the reason Notre Dame could like get to the final four, but if everyone else was healthy around her, I don't I don't know that Lauren Evo would have prevented them from getting to the final four. Um so if you can get someone of that quality, I think that would be a value certainly. Um so other than that, you're just hoping for some more development of the bigs you have on your roster and then if those those uh, women can step up and um, continue to expand their roles, then, then maybe Notre Dame isn't isn't in dire straits without getting a a post player in the portal. All right, last question is from Rico Benes. What was your favorite year of the shirt? Not even close for me. It was 2018. What was special about 2018? <laughs> the circumstance of it. Um, <laughs> It was a green one, and Brian Kelly wore purple pants when he unveiled it. Even that's not the greatest thing about it. The greatest thing about that shirt was it made it onto a cake that we had at our office. We used to have these things called taco bars when we were at the South Bend Tribute. And one of the things was you bring a cake with a funny design on it. And Mike Varell brought a cake with Brian Kelly revealing that shirt. Um and uh, so that was a big hoot. But what was even funnier was there there were like these taco bars got out of hand. It used to just be the sports department. Then it was the whole Tribune. And then it was the Tribune and their families and strangers. There were a couple little kids there and they were fighting and they were fighting about who got to eat Brian Kelly's head. And that's why I remember the 2018 shirt. <laughs> Um, I, you know what, Eric, when, when I asked this question and when I put it on the, 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 uh, sheet for today, I was like, he's probably not going to answer. He's just going to make fun of how he doesn't like answering questions about uniforms and, and say the same thing for the shirt. 
but you came prepared. Um, my my favorite one is would be probably be the 2015 version. Now I don't know if this means anything to anyone because I don't know how like if people like I, I know certainly I didn't. I had to I had to go pull them up and look at them. I don't I don't have them like logged to memory. Maybe there are maybe there is a group of people that can remember them that way. But that that was the one that was green. It said Irish football, golden tradition on the front. Um, I, I personally, I think green is the best color for the shirt, um, and it really stands out. I think it uh, – and so if you get the crowd to wear those, it's good. And then it had like a retro feel on the back, and so I feel like that's a that's generally a good fit for a, um, a the shirt um, rendition. So that, that would be my personal favorite. I'm curious what other people think, so please let us know. Send us uh, your thoughts and your hot takes on – the history of the shirt and which one was the best one. And if you don't think it should be green, then I, I don't know that I necessarily want to hear from you, but no, I'm kidding. Um, anyways, that's it for today's episode of the inside Indie sports podcast. If you don't already, you can subscribe to us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcasts, and other popular podcast platforms. If you like what you hear, give us a star rating, leave a review and share our podcast feed with anyone, you know, with a Peacock subscription. By the way, if anyone hasn't heard, uh, Eric will be on the radio broadcast of Saturday's Blue Gold game. So make sure you tune into him there. If you, especially if you don't have a Peacock subscription, you can you can listen to him and Darren Pritchett on WSBT Radio, and they'll be a very available through SiriusXM. I actually don't have the information in front of me. I don't know if you do off the top of your Channel head, Eric. Three eighty and Internet nine seventy. All right. Also, WSBTRadio.com is streaming, and also the free wsbt radio app look at that get get him get him an nil deal already um uh eric also i don't know if you knew but our listeners delivered in a big way and pushed us beyond 100 ratings on apple Podcasts prior to the blue gold game we're up to 108 as of friday morning so we got i think like nine since last week uh a number of you left reviews since then so let's share them beef 8394 says excellent at actually answer answering the questions from fans uh, we appreciate that comment. And Andrew N says, great for an ND fan. Eric and Tyler do a really nice job. Folksy with a question mark, thoughtful and honest about what they're seeing and what they think. I think that was a callback to a previous <laughs> review that called us folksy. Um, Irish in the D says, great information and insight. Eric and Tyler are two of the best in the business. Bendario says, one of the best ND football podcasts. Worth a listen if you are an ND fan. Frank Sarah says, outstanding podcast. You both are very knowledgeable and informative. Thank you. And Uper Burn says, great show, knowledgeable, don't take themselves too seriously and deliver great insight and perspective on Irish football. Highly recommend. Um, so thanks again for all the ratings and the kind reviews. I give you all five-star ratings myself. Just let me know where I need to send the ratings and we'll, we'll take care of that for you. You know, the uh, one thing I will want to mention before we go off the air is the, that purple pants in 2018 was foreshadowing something because Brian Kelly wears purple pants all the time now. <laughs> you think he still has that same pair? I bet. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, we'll keep the Inside Indie Sports Podcast train rolling through the offseason. We won't necessarily always be weekly, but we'll keep you updated on Twitter and the Insider Lounge when we're planning to record so you can submit questions. And until you hear from, from us again, stick with InsideIndieSports.com for all your Notre Dame coverage needs. Mm-hmm.